0: One of the things that I find myself really finding a lot of pleasure in saying, and you've probably heard me say it, is I am not taking applications for new friends right now. I am currently closed to applications. And I know that that's just because I'm in a moment of my life where I am very busy. My, My life is just very full. I have two stepchildren who have busy schedules and who I want to be at their orchestra concerts and their baseball practices and all of that. I run a company. I write. I have friends. And we have my friend Margaret on today, and she is someone who, like me, feels as though her life is really full and so is wondering if she should be taking applications for new friends. I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and this is Should I Quit? Margaret. Hello, Vanessa. So my dear friend, please tell the people a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay. Well, in addition to being your dear friend, I am your dear colleague. I am in charge of social media communications for Not Sorry, and I'm also uh, part of your faculty and a pilgrimage leader. And I would say, arguably, I got all of those jobs By being very sociable. (laughs) Wow. I feel like you're already setting me up here. You know, I'm just establishing
0: the stakes. (laughs) So the word that always comes up for me, Margaret, when I think about you is Mm -hmm. the Yiddish word Hamish, which Uh means having the qualities as a human of having a home-like atmosphere, like being a cozy home, but as a human.
1: Oh, my God. Thank you.
0: You're absolutely a very like social, like connecting, warm, lovely person. I think that's right. I think that that's right too. (laughs) So all of which lays a fantastic groundwork for your question today. What is Mm -hmm. your question?
1: Well, notionally, I've come on here to ask you if I should quit making new friends. But I'm... Really uncertain about whether I would take your advice when you give it. <laughs> Unless it was exactly
0: what I want to hear, which is never. Oh,
1: it's really complicated.
0: <laughs> okay. So making new friends obviously sounds like a great thing. Why yeah. wouldn't you want to just keep
1: doing it forever? Well, if I can just uh, direct my attention to my cell phone for a moment and let me just like see what my unread text count is right now. Okay. So we're at an unread text count. Oh, only 262 unread text messages in iMessage. Like, that's very reasonable. Ah! In Signal, I have an unread text message count of 545. That's just one conversation with two friends that I kind of check in on monthly. So, I mean, like, that's fine. It's just, those are just building up. I'm going to get to them eventually. It's best if I don't look at my Facebook Messenger or my Instagram and Discord, I can't tell you how many unread text messages I have on Discord because I'm logged out on my phone and I won't log back in, but I get all of the little text message previews. So you just kind of see what my friends are chatting about, even if I don't talk back to them. And then that's, that's just, that's my phone. And then there's also my life. Sure. So I guess like plausibly that might be why maybe someone would say that I should stop making new friends. Well, but here's the thing,
0: like I'm an inbox zero gold <laughs> person. I am sure. a messages owed zero. I don't leave things unread. Like Wow.
1: What a life.
0: But all of that said, there are certain things that are spam to me. Is any of this like spammy? Like, is any of this tune outable or is all of this like, no, I want this in my inbox. I would like to read and respond.
1: Great question. Complicated question. So somewhere in there, I'd say there's probably like 50 to 75 messages that are just like stray single messages from people. I felt too guilty to not respond to in the moment, but I'm never going to speak to again. Like there's probably someone I went on a date with in 2019 who texted me sometime in 2020 who I've never texted back. And like, they're just going to sit clogging my unread text numbers forever. But the majority of these are like For example, a group text with two librarians from other states I'm very close friends with and my newsletter co-author, Sophie Brookover, and like... That is a thread that means a lot to me. And I'm always certain I'm definitely going to read it. And that's why those text messages sit unread and I read the previews. And so I sort of know what's up with everybody, with Allie and Amy and Sophie and what's going on in their lives. I'm just not necessarily writing back. And I'm certainly thinking, oh, someday I'm going to read all of these and respond substantively to all of them, which is probably how I end up not responding to any of them. Mm -hmm. So there are a number of group text threads that function somewhere on the scale of that. Yeah, yeah, So, Margaret,
0: right, like, I understand that you're using your phone as a metaphor, right, of like— Yeah, it's a metric. Let me just make sure that I understand what it's a metric for. Sure. So do you feel like there are a lot of people in your current life who are wonderful and who you would like to not only stay connected to, but maybe even deepen your connection with them? but you keep making these new friends. And so you don't know what's going on with your librarian friend in Kansas or wherever she is. And you wish you did because you really care. Is that right that you're like, I am not attending to friendships that really matter to me because I'm always acquiring more? What
1: is this a metaphor for? That seems like a question you'd almost have to ask my friends. Like, do you feel like you're getting enough of Margaret or do you feel like you aren't? Right.
0: No. Do you feel like you're getting enough of them is my
1: question. Well, that's a complicated question. Honestly, I know what is going on with my friends and I feel very close to them. I'm just kind of a ghost in these conversations. And I think I go to the text message thing because that's when I feel like it really tipped over for me. I've always had a lot of what I refer to as pocket friends which are like people who were texting buddies, people who are internet first friends, where they're sort of scattered all over the country. And like, we would keep in touch via these texting methods. And like, I would like to be in touch with everyone I've ever liked indefinitely. I always want to know how what's going on with them and how they're doing. But there's a big difference between sort of fresh intimacy formation stage of friendship with me and sort of like enduring friendship with me. And what it is, is like, we'll have like a three month courtship period where I will be like very emotionally present. And then we might transition to a period where I'm just like not as consistently there. And just like Haley's friendship comment, I'm just going to streak across the sky every once in a while. And hopefully you'll be glad to see it. But I know that transition can be hard for people. And I think for the most part, people feel okay about it. But I think I worry more about what i would lose if i don't continue making new connections right then i worry about not having space for existing connections do you like that about yourself do you value that yes i value being able to find new people i value being able to connect deeply with new people but i but i also value like You know, my friend Elizabeth, who I've been friends with since kindergarten, lives like 20 minutes away from me on foot in JP. And like, we'll bump into each other at the park and we'll go to concerts together and it'll maybe be two or three times a year. But that's also great. I like having that, too. And I guess I do worry that I am not serving all of those friendships as well as I could be. That Like, I'm letting people down. So I'm going to tell you something.
0: You are not serving all of those friendships the way that you could be, and you are definitely letting some people down. Then they are not serving all of their friendships as well as they could be, and they are letting people down. Right? Like because time well, is finite. other people
1: are allowed to do that. Vanessa, <laughs> got it.
0: Well, that's true, and you're not. <laughs>
1: yeah. Thank you for understanding.
0: <laughs> I feel you. I had a friendship I really think end. Because we were very close when we were both in school. And then she became a stay-at-home mom. So her experience was that she still had a lot of flexible time. Right. But I got a job and had no flexible time. Like, I got had a 9-to-5 job. And she felt like I abandoned her. And yeah. I felt like my schedule changed. Right. Like, I didn't abandon you. <laughs> you know, like, I don't have time like that anymore. And so, yes but I'm not sure that means you should stop making new friends. Why would that mean you should stop making new friends?
1: I guess if I felt like it was fickleness, you know, or shallow, I guess that those would be reasons I would worry about making new friends. And like, I guess I worry that I am getting more out of this external affirmation of how charming and lovable I am then I am giving back to the new people I acquire in charm and loving behavior. And like, I hope that that's not true, but I, you know, that's what I worry about. So that's like externally focused. Then there's also just like the listeners can't see this, but Vanessa, you can see what my bedroom looks like behind me. Beautiful and eclectic. And there's a cute dog on your bed. Yeah, that's true. Okay, these are all true. It's also, are there other adjectives, maybe less complimentary adjectives you might apply to it? Like um, messy, I would not say messy. Cluttered, I would say full. Full, sure, full. We can use that one. We can use that one. But does it stress you out that it's full? Does it bother you? Sometimes, yes. Not at the same level it would bother other people. But like it feels better when it's cleaner. It's like I worry that I am not leaving enough space to take care of myself in my life. And that part of that is related to how many people I am more interested in taking care of who aren't me. So maybe I'm manipulating people for my own gain. Or (laughs) maybe I'm sacrificing myself for theirs. Who could say? Who
0: can say? Two sides, same coin. Okay. So one thing (laughs) that you said is that you don't (laughs) want to be fickle and shallow. Are you fickle and shallow? Those are great things to not want to be. I don't want to
1: be that either. I I think I can be experienced that way by some people, but I don't think I know I'm not shallow. Uh Uh-huh. And I know I can be perceived and experienced as fickle, but I don't think that I am. Great. Well,
0: you shouldn't be friends with those people
1: those people shouldn't be friends with me. It can go both ways. Yeah, no, it's just like not a match, right? Like exactly. I don't think those people are maliciously misperceiving me, right? It's just like some people understand when they're being put in cold storage with love and deep fondness and genuine, genuine, like you're going to be taken off the shelf again and it will be in the moment that it happens, like no time has passed. And like if you can fuck with that friendship dynamic— We're going to be great. And if you can't fuck with that friendship dynamic, that's totally reasonable. And we are probably not going to be friends. And I think the only tension would come is, like, sometimes there are people who can't fuck with that friendship dynamic, but don't want to not be friends with me. And then I just worry that, you know, I'm causing those people pain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that seems to me to maybe be one of the, like, real questions, which is... When that characteristic is a tripwire for someone else's pain, that's just a lack of compatibility. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, seems like a pain point for you to be like, maybe those are the friendships to let go of. Not the new ones, but the ones where you're like, it is clear we have different expectations here. I'm a cold storage friend. You are a... Only in the oven, friend. I super (laughs) respect that vibe. Yeah. It's not mine. And, like, it's ice cream only for me. And I'm sorry.
1: You have to be canned goods or we can't hang. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and, like. Look, that's very. No values judgment. No.
0: Does that feel at least partially a little helpful? That, like, that's actually the edge of friendship, not the new people, but the oh, we need different things in order for our friendship to feel fulfilling to us. And yeah. therefore, we are not compatible.
1: It sort of feels helpful. Or true. Maybe not It definitely helpful. feels true. It definitely okay. feels true. I think what is hard is it's like if they make the decision to walk away from me, I'm like, you know, the gif of um Kamala Harris. She's like waving goodbye to people and she has like her hand on her heart. And you can mm-hmm. tell she's like really fond, but she's also at peace with them going. That's how I feel. It's like, mm-hmm. go with God. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm waving at you with so much warmth in my heart. I, I really want the best things for you. It's just if they don't, if they don't leave and they stay in my orbit and I'm just hurting them, I don't know how to orchestrate, like, it seems like all I'm doing is hurting you. So let's call this. Totally. I, this is a live
0: problem in my life as well. There is a kind of person in my life. That if there was like a folder I could automatically send them to, it would be like anxiety texting, (laughs) right? Like when I hear from them, even if they have never scolded me or complained to me, I always think they are about to because I have been remiss in our communication. Yeah. And one of them has said one thing once, but like for the most part, they've never articulated it. I am just guessing that they are mad at me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, That they're disappointed that I haven't called them back. Two different things. Right. Two different things. They probably aren't mad at you, but they probably are disappointed by you. And they are just going to continue to love you, but also be disappointed by you. And it's like, no, you have to pick.
0: Can you just end it? You wish they would end it.
1: Well, it feels like that might actually be productive discomfort for me. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, it's not like everybody I am friends with never hurts or disappoints me. Right. right. Like almost everyone. Never. Nor would I. So you know, just that I don't get to be the one who makes a decision about sort of like where the pain to pleasure ratio is justified for them. And like I just have to live with the fact that there are like on time people in my life who love me very dearly. And who are also sincerely hurt by the fact that I am a late person. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like, I'm going to be this way. If it makes you so unhappy, maybe you should find other people. But I don't actually, I don't want to stop being friends with them. I just maybe have to sit with the discomfort of like, I'm going to know that there are some people I let down sometimes And that that's okay, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Reportedly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we know this, right? Like the thing to do is get comfortable hurting people because that's about their expectations (sighs) and not about you messing up. And like when you mess up, take responsibility. Always listen to the feedback and check with yourself. Did I mess up? But if what they consider a, a mistake is you being you then, oh, well, or or if what they consider unforgivable is you being you, right? I have yeah. very little patience for tardiness. My friend Mauricio is always late. It drives me <laughs> up the wall. But, like, I love him more than his tardiness annoys me. And so, like, we— Just had a conversation where I was like, just so you know, whenever you arrive, I'm gonna be mildly annoyed at you. And he was like, that's okay. You get over it fast. And I was like, great. And we just sort of agreed that that is he's gonna piss me off in this way. He's gonna have to deal with me being pissed off. And we move on. That is something that I can handle. And if there's someone in your life who can't handle
1: that, that just like doesn't mean you're wrong. Well, that's helpful to hear. And I appreciate it. I think it's hard. To know I behave in ways that can make people feel like they don't matter. And I don't think I do that lightly. Like, I think that when that occurs, it's a misunderstanding. Yeah. But it is still the way that I live. I am exposed to the potential for that misunderstanding at a much higher degree than most people are. And I feel anxious about that. And then I want to make sure that I'm not being cavalier.
0: It's horrible to realize that you're hurting someone. But I don't know. I I can just, like, imagine going to—I'm going to the orthopedist later today. Mm -hmm. And if I went to the orthopedist today and I was like, my throat really hurts, and she was like, I'm an orthopedist, I'd be like, (laughs) but you're a doctor and my throat hurts. She'd be like, there's literally nothing I can do. That would be very frustrating and I would leave and my throat would still hurt. But she's an orthopedist. And I, sure she would maybe understand why I thought she could still do something because she's a doctor, but she's, she's an orthopedist. She can't, she can't prescribe
1: amoxicillin. She can't run the strep test, you know. So I have to accept that I am, um, I'm not a Swiss army knife. Right. Exactly. I'm a very specific tool. And like, I don't know, one of those bedazzler machines you could get in infomercials that they used to run on Cartoon Network in the 90s. That's me.
0: But I don't think you are. I think you're a more essential tool than that. It's just not every situation requires a hammer. I think you're a hammer that you're great in most situations and like you're essential to build things with. But like some people are like, I need a scalpel. And you're like, I've got this hammer for you. (laughs) Does that feel possible to just be like, look at someone and think to yourself, you're asking me to be a screwdriver, but I'm actually, like, a bedazzled, beautiful hammer, and I'm sorry. I wish I was a Swiss Army knife. I really do, but I'm just not.
1: I think I can live with that discomfort.
0: And let's just go back to your original question. Could you live with the discomfort of trying to—obviously not never making new friends, but, like, really trying to slow down on making new friends?
1: Yes. Yeah. So no, it doesn't have to be, right? Like, well, I am trying to be knowing myself to have a propensity towards both emotional and physical hoarding. Mm -hmm. I do try to be a little bit more thoughtful about acquisition, Mm -hmm. right? Of both people and things. I mean, like I go into parties and when I'm just like making conversation, the question that I will ask people is I will be like, what can you not get over in your life that you've tired out all of your friends by talking about? And then I will just, people will just tell me things, I guess, because I'm Hamish. Also, because that's a great question, well, which is part of your Hamishness. <laughs> right. And, and I basically, I just, I'm being like, do I want to carry this new stranger's very meaningful personal stories indefinitely? Or do I want to just slow my roll? Like just an iota, just like a smidge. Be like, hey, what do you do for work instead, perhaps?
0: Yeah, I think like we should all pause more and be like, is this what I want to do? Or am I just doing the thing? I, like, yeah, that is not a you, Margaret, problem. That is a like, our brains are wired to keep doing the things that we've already done. Yeah. Right. Like we know this. Like we all have our, we all have our presets. Yeah. We all have our presets. And I was thinking about this with tinnitus, right? Like the more you think about your tinnitus, the deeper the groove gets, literally, physically, like in your ear canal to Ooh. like exacerbate the tinnitus. And I feel like that's just like true for all. Like you just get more in your groove, and that's just the way gravity
1: works. Yeah. Sure. That makes sense. So pausing, that sounds like a great thing to yeah. do. It is very uncomfortable in a moment to not choose the greatest degree of connection that is available to me. And yeah, the degree of connection that people will make available to me quickly tends to be pretty high. But people don't, when they first meet me, they don't know they're meeting a comet. <laughs> you know, they don't know that they're going to get this bright presence, but it's going to be like once every three years. And just trying to just make it a little bit more gradual at the outset, right? So that I'm not providing something that is never going to be accessed again. And I think that that's like, sometimes it's kind to say no and to disappoint people and to conduct yourself like you are a finite resource.
0: I just want to push back on that, which I think gets to our conclusion also, which is You can't control how other people are going to feel. That's not true. (laughs) But, like, you can't. And, and, like, you want to behave with as much integrity as you can. And you want to be able to look back and be like, look, I did whatever I can. But niceness is social lubricant. And, like, trying to make someone feel warm and welcome, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with that. And so I don't know. I just think you're a nice person. You're a warm (laughs) person. I wouldn't want you – dialing that back in the interest of like, well, I don't want to mess with their expectations.
1: I don't think we're ever going to get me to a point where I'm cold.
0: No, that's true. Yeah, maybe we're talking about degrees.
1: (laughs) I think I will always make people feel warm and welcome. It is just, am I going to give them the impression that they are my new best friend Mm -hmm. in the first four minutes I meet them? It's like, well, if I'm thoughtful about how I approach people, no. Because yeah. they won't be my new best friend. That role is filled like 72 times over.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm excited for you to disappoint some people. <laughs> okay. I, think gonna <laughs> I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be great for you. I'm ready to
1: endure the productive discomfort of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Go enjoy your full room and your full life, including that amazing Muppety dog. And thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was very healing.
0: You've been listening to Should I Quit, our latest season of The Real Question. Our show is funded through our Patreon at patreon.com slash realquestionpod. Another way you can support the show is by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at realquestionpod and Twitter at therealqpod. We'd love to thank our BFF tier patrons, Molly Reely, Kristen Hall, Mary Margaret, Becky Boo, Jenny Cruz, Amanda Shram, Effie Hugh, Shannon Sheen, and Renee Underhill. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman. Our music is by Nick Bull, and we are distributed by Acast. A big, big thank you to our beloved Margaret H. Wilson for joining us today. To Julia Argy, e., Nikki Zoltan, Lara Glass, AJ Aramas, Hannah Rehack, Margaret H. Wilson in a different capacity, Courtney Brown, Casper Trickeil, and Stephanie Paulsell. Thanks, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week.